It is great to be with you. It's 2018. How many of y'all can believe it's 2018? How many of y'all excited? Are you excited for 2018? We have termed it 2018. It's going to be a great year. Uh, today is not a high five day. If you give somebody a high five, you can break their fingers off. It's too cold. And so instead, we have termed today a hug day. And so this is going to make some of you feel really uncomfortable. Just find somebody. Give them a little, little, little church hug. Maybe, maybe, maybe give them a little pat on the back, and then you can be seated all over our houses. I actually hate hugging people, uh, but I'm the preacher, and so I can ask you to do things that I don't like to do. And so it is great to be here with you. It's 2018. It's going to be a great year at, at church. For those of you who weren't here at the praise party at all of our campuses, we had opportunity to join together uh, a few days ago. Uh, we opened the night by announcing that this year uh, we're going to be 10 years old. Can you believe that? We're going to be 10 years old in 2018, September, which is an incredible thing. We're going to celebrate that. Uh, but what we're going to celebrate it by doing is we're not going to have a, probably a big service. We had the opportunity at the end of 2017 uh, to, to kind of find a location. Uh, work out the details, get a, a, a deal on a building that was way below market value, uh, sign the papers. Uh, and so if you weren't here, uh, and, and a few days ago, we announced we're going to be starting our fifth campus. So that's exciting in Montgomeryville. And so we're really excited about that. So with all of that being said, we had a great year last year, uh, highest financial year we've ever had, uh, highest attendance year we've ever had, the most people we've ever seen respond to the gospel. Our kids' ministry uh, ran higher numbers than we ever had. Like stuff, stuff was good last year. Uh, and with kind of looking towards uh, the, new, the new year and the new campus, we decided, you know what, we should probably stop and, and make sure our church is going in the right direction. And so every once in a while, it's good to stop and evaluate where you're at and make sure that you don't get to where God's called you to be and forget who God called you to be. That, that happened in the Bible. If you read the story of the Israelites uh, and you go back to the Old Testament, you have these people, God's promised them they're going to go in this land, they're going to win the battles, they're going to take this promised land flowing with milk and honey, which simply means they're going to have awesome agriculture and farming and be successful and they're going to win wars they shouldn't win. And constantly in the book of, of Deuteronomy, that's the book I've been reading through, it's basically the last speech of Moses getting the generation that was about to walk into the promised land ready to, 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 to hold on to it. He tells them consistently, when you get all these things, don't forget about who got you there. When you get all these things, don't forget. Don't worship false gods. Don't get your eyes away from the prize. Make sure you understand who got you there. And so what we do as a church is occasionally, because stuff is changing, new people are coming, old people are leaving, new campuses are happening. You know, a few, this time last year, Royersford was really just getting started. So new people are coming there in a few, in a few months. We're going to start seeing new people get ready to come into Montgomeryville. And new people are going to come to all these campuses. And uh, some of them are going to have different backgrounds, some from church, some no church background. And so what we want to do is we want to make sure we all know together where we're going because here's what I found happened something happens at churches it happens in businesses it happens in, in family life it happens over almost everywhere but I'm going to term it what I would call generational misunderstanding and, and what that is 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 that there's a there's a distance between the, the original generation and the next generation stuff gets lost in, in what I would call translation and I know that rhymes and I want you to, like stuff will will be missed uh, it's really difficult if you start a business for your kids to handle that business that you started the same way and the truth is because oftentimes the kids are inheriting something that's successful but they didn't put the work in to make it successful so what they do is they have a hard time continuing especially not maybe the 
the first generation, but businesses that go from generation two to three to four, those are businesses that are, that are, that are really special because they've learned how to bridge the gap. Same thing is true of churches. There's, there's churches that start, they have this amazing mission, this amazing mindset, they're growing, they're reaching people, they begin to get things, they begin to get people. You know, people in the beginning, they come because of your mission, they want to be part of your mission, they want to give to your mission, they want to sacrifice, you're, you're kind of getting them to buy in to what could be, not what currently is. And then after you get older, and especially now in our, in, our, in, our, in our stage, is people no longer come for the mission. Sometimes if we're not careful, people will just come because of what the mission can afford them. And what I mean is they'll come and go, this is really nice. This is really good. We have good kids stuff. We have nice facilities. We have good lights. I really like lights, you, you and me both. And so like I really enjoy it. I like their music. And it wasn't always this way at our church. I can tell you it wasn't that long ago that we had a, a few people on the band and they were picking through a box with, 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 with uh, music charts, figuring out what song they were going to sing 30 minutes before people showed up. I mean, it was, it was bad. We had about six songs that we could sing at that time. And so it wasn't always the case where we could afford these things or do these things or start campuses and things like that. And so I want to make sure that there's not a generation misunderstanding because these are not the point. Buildings are not the point. Lights are not the point. Uh, crowds are not the point. Building a church is the point. And there's a difference between the church and the crowd. And we're, so what we're going to do is we're going to take a look at these generation misunderstandings. Some of you aren't fully understand what I'm talking about. Let me just give you really practically what, what I mean. Uh, this year for Christmas, I bought what I think is the coolest gift that we got in our kids in a couple years. But we got it for Harrison. It was this little pack, plastic Pac-Man looking thing with a joystick on it and a plug. And it's some kind of computer thing that you plug into your, into your, your TV. And every version of Pac-Man that I have ever played is on this little, this little controller thing. It's incredible. I mean, I bought it for him, but it was really for myself. You ever, you ever been there? Like, I was like, he's going to love this. So am I. And so we bought this thing and we, we, we set it up. We began to play it. And, and I'm trying to explain to my, to my kids, you know, the purpose of Pac-Man. What's the purpose of Pac-Man? You, 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 you go around and get the little, the little white balls, and then you get, the, you get the, the special ones, and then the guys turn colors, and then you want to eat them. You don't want to run from them when they're the, the, wrong, the right color, when they're flashing. But if, if they turn colors again, and they eat you, you're done. And the purpose is not necessarily just to beat levels. The purpose is to get as many points as you could possibly get and get your name up in the top-hand corner and be the champion of your house. And that's... That's the purpose. And so I'm playing. My kids are like, when can we get a turn? I'm like, it's my house. I bought this. I don't care, right? Right? Like, I, I paid. I got, I'm getting the high score. And then they're, they're having trouble with the joystick because kids don't have joysticks anymore. They got little buttons. You know, they got triangle and, 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 and X and square and whatever else they have and R2 and R3. In my day, it was a joystick. And that's it. And you take a joystick and you... Blah, 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 and, and, and then sometimes you get mad at the joystick and like it's the joystick's fault. Like it, the joystick is malfunctioning. So we've been having this same conversation. I'll, I'll dominate and then they play and they get eaten right away. And like the joystick's broken. I'm like, no, you just suck. You guys are just... You're just not good. Like, like I'm the best. There's my name right there. I prove it. This is my house. I'm the champion. And so practice. You want to be the best, you got to beat the best. And so, so we're doing that. And then the, the one of the funniest things I'm trying to explain to them is the cord. I'm like, you cannot just take this anywhere in the room. If you pull it off away from the TV, it unplugs and it goes bye-bye. So listen, don't do it when you're playing. And let me tell you something. When this thing's in my hand, do not move anywhere near this cord or you'll be grounded, right? Like I'm about to break my high score. So I've been trying to explain this stuff to him. It's like trying to explain a different language. I'm trying to, trying to bridge the generational misunderstandings. Let me give you an example of my life right now with my kids. So I'm to the point in my life, and this is, this is the first... The first winter, when, when it snows, my boys, they're 8 and 10, they're actually old enough to shovel 
my driveway for the glory of God. Like, it is incredible. So the other day, I remember, I hated snow days when I, when I was a kid because my dad said, go shovel the driveway. And so I've been waiting for years to have this conversation with my boys. Uh, but I'm a little bit more graceful. And I said, I'll, I'll pay you each $5, $5. They think that's a lot of money. That's not a lot of money for my driveway. And so I said, you have to do the whole thing, though. You have to get it all done. So I came home on, I think it was Tuesday night or whenever, Wednesday, whenever it snowed, and, and my Thursday, whenever, and my, my whole driveway was, was shoveled. I'm like, this is, you guys are, I, I love you finally. Like, I'm thankful <laughs> for you finally. I can't believe you did this. And so, and so. We go to the mall last night, and they both earned $5, and my son, Lincoln, he, he, they, they both kind of spend their money on weird stuff. He's like, we're walking the mall. He's like, Dad, can we go to the toy store? I'm like, yeah. I'm like, that's fine. He's like, I want to get a squishy. I'm like, you did what in your pants? I don't, I don't, I don't think that's the right store for that. So he's like, no, no, a squishy. I'm like, what's a squishy? And Carter, my oldest son, he's like, this is for girls. That's a girl's toy. He's like, no, you get these things, you squish them in your hands, you, you smell them, they smell like different things, you trade them and all this stuff. I'm like, all right, so we went, to the, we went to the store, we go to the very back of the store, the cash register, we look at the lady. I'm trying to keep my laughing in, and I said, do you, do you have squishies? She points us to the squishy department. This is a squishy, by the way. It's a dog toy. You squeeze them. I, I, I made fun of these first service. This little girl walked out, and she was like, I have a squishy. I'm like, well, you're a dork too then, and so... It's $5.99 for the sake. He, he insists if you squish them, they smell. So he's like going through them. He's like, look, smell. I'm like, this smells like your hand. <laughs> I smell, this smells exactly like your hand. It smells like a squishy, all right. And so like, like this, is, this, this doesn't make sense. $5.99. And you know what's so funny? Right beside it is fidget spinners. I asked her, I'm like, which one's been more popular? She says, fidget spinners was the fall hit. Squishies was the, the winter hit. And I'm like, what are they going to come up with next? Like, there's going to be a time in our lives when we are going to have to explain our kids to their kids, this was cool. <laughs> what do you do with it? You squish it. <laughs> but, you know what was even cooler than us before that? <laughs> I mean, I, I hated fidget spinners. <laughs> I know they have a purpose and a time and a meaning, but not in my house. <laughs> There's going to be a time where we're going to have to explain to people, that was, that was $5.99. You can get two for $15.99. Like that, like there is going to be a time. There's going to be a, what I would call a generational misunderstanding. And so what I want to do for the next five weeks is I want to make sure we don't have that. We have new people. We have old people that maybe are forgetting. We have new people that are coming from no church background. And you're going, I don't even know what this whole thing is, but I'm excited about it. We have people that are coming from a church background. And you're, you're kind of coming in and you're kind of wanting to wade into the waters and, and kind of tiptoe in. And I'm just going to let you know that don't happen at journey church if i see you tiptoeing in i'm either gonna push you in i'm gonna throw you out of the pool that's how that's how it works we don't tiptoe our way in the water never gets less cold just jump you know what i'm saying and so we are going to talk uh, about our five what i would call core values and what's cool about our core values is for any business and you have them if you're if you're in a family if you work in a business if you go to a if you work for a business you have what i would call maybe without even without even knowing them you have things that you that you value. Core values are simply our way of determining and then showing you what is right and wrong, what is celebrated and not celebrated. Our core values are things that we do in order to get us to where God has called us to. There's things that the things that we do as a church, that we stand for as a church, that we, we, we watch out for as a church, that enable us to get to where God has called us to. Because my greatest fear, my greatest fear is for this thing to get big uh, and, and not be healthy. That, that there's nothing worse than a big unhealthy church. 
There's nothing that sends more people to hell than a big unhealthy church. There's nothing more that, that confuses people more than, than a big unhealthy church where you can just come in and kind of just, 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 just float in and just kind of, kind of, you know, camouflage your way in and find a seat and just kind of attach yourself to something successful. We're not, we're not building a crowd. We're building a church. And, and my hope is that we build a large church that still understands what it's all about. In fact, I wouldn't even say my hope. That, that's where we're going. We're going to build a large church. Uh, this is the smallest our church will ever be. We're going to continue to reach people by faith, but our job is to make sure we stay on mission. That's what our core values are all about. So we're going to start today with our first one, and our first one's pretty simple. It's where people were not preference. Everybody say people. people. Like you mean it. It's, it's 12 o'clock almost. You are awake now, right? Like just say people, people. not preference. One more time. Say people, people. not preference. We're going to talk about that. Today, sorry, messed you up. Next week, I don't want you to repeat me anymore, so just so we're, we're clear, uh, but we're going to talk about the next four because that will be real annoying. And so we're going to talk about being a blessing, not a burden. That's week two. We're going to talk about being aggressive, not apathetic. That's week three. And then four will be contributors, not consumers. They're going to like that one. And then number five is passionate, not passive. Passionate, not passive. And we're going to call this, this is what, this is what we do. Maybe not every other church in the world does it. Maybe not the church you came from. Maybe not the church you grew up in. But if you're at this church, this group of people, this is what we do. So first week, we're people, we're not preference. What does that mean? Let me explain to you what happens in a lot of churches. A lot of churches uh, don't grow, and they're confused why. And, and here's the thing about it. If you're not growing, it's not a message problem. And here's why it's not a message problem. The message that the church is supposed to share is a message of resurrection and life overcoming death. It's a message of growth. It's a, it's a message that changes people and sets them free. So if your church is not growing, it does not have a message problem because in that message, there is always growth. It has what I would call a mindset problem. And the mindset, it evolves inside the people that go to that church. And so here's what we always tell people. At our church, we are not a what church, we are a why church. We will consistently change what we do, but we will never ever sway or change why we're doing it. We will constantly evaluate and say, is what we're doing working and if it's not working we would change it because the point of why we do what we do or what we're doing or how we do things is is the why and the why is reaching people far from christ seeing jesus change people's lives and so what happens in most churches and, and i've grown up my entire life in churches is churches don't do that they do things that really don't make sense they say this is the way we've always done church so let me give you an example uh if if we here in 2018, if in 2028 our church looks and feels and sings and does all the same stuff that we consistently and currently are doing right now, we will not be a people not preference church. Because what happens is, is you do certain things and, and certain people are attracted to it. And then the certain people that are attracted to what they do, they go, I like this church. I like the songs, I like the music, I like the, the children's mission, I like all this stuff. And you begin to really fall in love with the, with the what, but you've never really connected to the why, you just like the what. And then a healthy church in a few years is going to evaluate and go, this isn't working anymore. Most of our guests that come through our doors are just church people, 
people aren't responding to the gospel of Jesus Christ, that the, the, the worship is kind of stagnant because there's really nothing to be excited about uh, because nobody's really finding Christ and we're not really understanding what the point of this is. And, and, and all of a sudden, it's been hijacked by these group of people. And they're saying, well, this is my church. So like, this is what we've always done. The, the band's always sang those type of songs and the lights have always been dark and, and, and the lobbies have always looked like that and they've always had that coffee from Costco. And I'm really into that, you know, coffee from Costco. And so, and, and the kids' ministry has always felt, they've always had those classes for my kids and my, all this stuff happens. And in our church, you need to understand that if you don't get connected to the bigger why, you will eventually leave because we will consistently change. And I don't understand why that's not celebrated because we celebrate it all the time on channels like HGTV, don't we? Let's think about it. If I come into your house right now, there's things that were working perfectly fine in your house over the last, maybe your house is old or maybe it's not, but let's just say you live in an old farmhouse. There was things that worked perfectly fine in that house that you no longer use because they don't make sense in the current culture that you live in. Like maybe there's an old outhouse. You weren't bundling up today. (laughs) Honey, why are you using that? Because it's perfectly fine. The hole's still open, right? Like it still works. You just go down and it's fine. You're going, no, that's dumb. There's plumbing and I don't need to go outside in the cold anymore. And nobody in this room probably went out to their barn and got under their cow today and went, here's your milk. Eat your cereal. Hope you like it. Like there is probably one person to drive a Subaru here today. You probably did do that. But for most of us, <laughs> we went to Wawa. We are something like that. We got milk, poured it. Why? Because it's just the type of world that we live in. Nobody in here today, I didn't park anybody in the first time guest spot. And let's be honest, I didn't park anybody. But our people didn't park anybody today. And they pulled up in a horse and buggy. Backed it in, right? Why? Because we don't need a horse and buggy now. We have a Mustang, right? Like we, we have cars with heat on them. And some of you have starters where you didn't even come outside. You just, and it picked you up like, like, like a night Rider. Doors opened up. You got in and went, right? Like, like we have cars that park themselves. Now, nobody's complaining about having to figure out how to parallel park anymore, right? Like, like stuff is changing and we celebrate that. Think about it. How many of you get on Pinterest and you get on HGTV and, and you look at, you watch shows and you get Chip and Joanna come on and they, they buy an ugly fixer-upper and they go into the house. It has perfectly normal stuff in it most of the time. It has an icebox that works and it has a sink with a faucet and it has all the stuff and they renovate it and they pull those big things away and everybody that watches is like, oh my gosh, I love it. It's incredible. Like, look what they did to that. And, and Why? Because we all know, we, we know that there's things in that house that they don't make sense anymore for the way that we live. We still need, have the same needs. We still, we still need the same th- things, but we, we're, we're different because culture has, has changed and, and opportunities are different. And so the same thing should be celebrated at churches. Instead of going into a church and hearing, this is just the way we do it. This is the songs we sing. If they want to learn, they can get hymnal out and they can sing them with us. They, 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 can, they, they can figure out what we're talking about. If they want to know what we're talking about, they can Google us. Like they should figure out our old, we're traditional. It's weird we don't want to place that into most areas of, of our lives. We want to get, kind of get rid of most of the stuff and upgrade stuff. But when it comes to the gospel of Jesus Christ, the greatest message this world has ever known, oftentimes we stifle it by our bad mindset. And so we want to be a people, not a preference Church, we are a wide church, not a white church. Some of you are going, what's, what's the why? Well, I just want to make sure you know as we get going today what, what our why is. And so we'll just go to the Bible because that's a good place to go. And we'll check out what Jesus says because this is his thing. 
And the Bible says in Matthew 28, he talks to his disciples and he gives them kind of a command, a roll call, a purpose. He says, therefore go and make disciples of all nations. Baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit and teach them to obey everything that I've commanded you. What does he say? He says, all this cool stuff that I've done with you and I've shown you, write a book and start a club and, you know, build it with no windows and just accept the, 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 the holy people and stay away from the world. That's not what he said at all. He said, I want you to go everywhere. I want you to tell everyone about me, about what I've done, about who I am. It's not just for you. I want to work through you. And some of you are going, well, what, what does that look like? Well, he introduces us, if you go back a few chapters in Matthew 16, to the actual word church, and I love it. Because he first talks about a man named Peter, and I love Peter out of all of the disciples. He's the one that I can kind of relate to the most because he's a fisherman, and I, that part I don't really relate to because, as you can see, I'm not really that kind of guy. But, but I, I like him because he, he kind of, he's kind of brash, and he kind of messes up, and he kind of speaks before he thinks, and sometimes I think he probably walked in embarrassment, and then, then he did that, had that whole thing where he denied Jesus and went back to fishing, and he had all that failure, and Jesus came and, and saved him. And so I think you see the gospel and action in his life and forgiveness. But this is what he says in Matthew 16, verse 18. He says, I tell you that you're Peter, and on this rock I'll build my church, and the gates of hell will not overcome it. He introduces us to, to the word church, and the word church in Greek just means a group of people who have been called out of a current culture to be representatives of a, of a king. You've been called out specifically as a group. You notice church doesn't mean building. It doesn't mean somewhere you come. It means something you're a part of. It's a current group of people that God has called. It's why God calls us his body. We're called the body of Christ. We all have a part to play. We all have a, a part that we, we need to do. And when the body works together, it accomplishes historically uh, important things. He says, you are the hands and feet and representation of Jesus Christ. Uh, another word they use in the Bible that Paul uses that sounds a lot like, like church or those called out is in, is in 2 Corinthians 5 where he says, we're, we're Christ ambassadors. Very same thing, representatives of a, of a king. As though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. I love that because that gives you the marching orders of the church. What, what is the marching orders of the church? To implore. You know what that means? To beg. To, to beg. To do everything in our ability. To give everything that we have to show up and park cars in negative five degree weather. To come early and set out cones for first and second time guests. To go put flags on the road that might blow over. To set up speakers and turn them to the exact right uh, sound that we want them to be at. To fill out cars. To, to mop floors because everybody walked in here with salty shoes. How dare you? To, 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 to make coffee. To, to, to show up on Wednesday night and practice the instruments. And practice your craft so that you can give God glory through your excellence. And ask him to show up because you want to give him your, your best. That's begging people. We, we beg people. We make every effort that we possibly can when, when they get to this church on Sunday morning and not just to this church, but in our, in our personal life, we beg people as, as a church, return your life to Jesus. Come, come home to Christ. What's our why? That, that's it. We're, we're the church. We exist for, for the world. We beg people to come home to Jesus. And here's the problem. There is nothing that makes a church less effective than a group of people that don't understand this. There is nothing that makes a church less effective. The church doesn't have a message problem. The church has a mindset problem. And the mindset is not from the Bible. It's developed inside us through maybe bad habits 
or misunderstood concepts of what church is supposed to be. So as we talk through this idea of people, not, not preference, what I started to think about is, is we, start, we talk often in this church about people on mission. And so what that means is, as we're talking about a people not preference, what we're essentially saying is, is you're either on mission with us or you're not. You're either understanding what the mission is. The mission is to seek and save the lost, to reach people far from Christ, to implore, do anything short of sin, to get people. You're either on mission or, or, or you're not on, on, on mission. Like my wife says this consistently in conversations. We need to teach people what the mission is and understand and, and then get them to grasp it and then getting them moving on mission or, or try to move them out of the church. That, that's what it like, or, or say, hey, if you're not on mission, you have permission to, to get out so that we as a church can get the hell in. Did you get all that? She wouldn't let me say get the, you know what, out because that's not Christian-like. But, but she does, we, we, we give you permission. This is your church. You're sitting here. You're going, nah, I'm not into this. This is too much. They want too much. They want me to actually do something. They want me to move. They want me to be the church and not just come to church. They want me to be definitionally correct by the Bible. I'm out, and I give you permission, please, because the seat that you're sitting in, if you don't understand the significance of where you're sitting, you're just in the way of somebody finding Christ. You, you just get in the way of Jesus, because if there's no room, Jesus won't bring them. You need to be able to grab what God wants to grow. And so let me give you what I would say are two types of people who ultimately, if we're a people, not a preference church, should feel comfortable here. The two types of people who should feel comfortable at Journey Church because we know we're on mission by who feels comfortable here and I know we're on mission by who, who feels uncomfortable here. Like when somebody leaves our church, recently somebody left our church and they had been coming for, for a year, but they had never done anything. They, don't, they didn't serve. In fact, not only did they serve, they would consistently come in here and tell me what's wrong with our church. Now as a man of God, you have to show grace, but as a, as a carnal, you know, newly saved person, I wanted to show them the grace of my, my, my fist, right? Like, so instead, I just prayed for them, for squishies, right? I just prayed. But they sat here every week, and I, and I, and I got worried because consistently they would sit here, and they would walk out, they would smile, but they never serve, never give, never do anything. And then a few weeks ago, they finally decided they're done with us. And I thought to myself, okay, we still got the mission then. Maybe, maybe we need to up it a little bit because that's what should happen. Like, the mission should pull you in, get you excited, or it should push you out. It shouldn't, shouldn't let you just sit here and just kind of hang out. The, the mission should be so great that it pulls you in, and you go, I'm, I'm in, I want to serve, I want to give, I want to go. I don't want to just sit. God's doing too much inside of me for me to waste it, or it's making me too uncomfortable. I need to go somewhere, somewhere else. So there's two types of people that should feel comfortable at this church. Number one is this, is what I would call saved seekers. The, the, the saved Seekers, I just told you a couple minutes ago this verse, but I want to read it to you in Luke 19, verse number 10. I want you to see what it says. It says, for the Son of Man came to set up the church and to give people the area and arena to sit. It doesn't say that. It says, for the Son of Man came to do what? Seek, which is an action word, and save, which is an eternity changing word. The what? The lost. The, the reason that he came 
The reason that he shared his message, the reason that he found disciples, the reason that he filled him with, the, with the, his presence and his power, the same power that would conquer him from the grave, it would fill them up on the day of Pentecost. The reason that he filled him up and the reason that they walked out in boldness and power and shared the word of God was what? Wasn't to build buildings, wasn't to build infrastructure, wasn't to have processes, wasn't even to have pretty coffee bars. It was to seek and say, those things are all fine as long as they don't get in the way of the one goal and the one mission of Jesus Christ to what? Seek and save the lost. And here's what happens for so many Christians. They think that's supposed to be private. That's personal. Like I meet people, I'm like, man, you're saved. Yeah, yeah I know, but it's, I don't want to be like too saved. Freak people out. I want to make this more personal and private. And so I know you want me to be part of something bigger than myself, the church, which by the way means a body. doesn't mean a building. By nature, you need more than you to be part of the church. You need to be part of a body. And so you can't sit at home and say you're part of the church. You need to be part of a body. You're one of many, not one of only. And so you need to be part of something bigger than yourself. And I'll meet people and I'll say, this is just private for me and personal. And I have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. By the way, find that verse in the Bible. It's not about you having a personal relationship. It's about you following Jesus Christ and reaching more people for his glory to build his kingdom. And you are called to be a saved seeker. I'll give you an example of how bad this is. is I I brought my kids to Chick-fil-A this week. uh, And it was on on Monday and it was New Year's Day. And so it was right between like lunch and dinner. And I didn't want to go spend $38 at Chick-fil-A. And so I was like, well, just get a snack. So I just got two eight-piece nuggets and I passed them back. And I just assumed they were going to use their heads. And go, okay, this is 16 nuggets. I should give my dad one because that would make the number 15. There's three of us. We should divide them up by, by you know, three times, you know, five, five. That's five for each of us. That's 15. You know, I'm in school. I'm in fourth grade. And I'm in second grade. We're learning. This is basic math. Duh. I, th- I figured they would do that. I turn around. They're fighting. Carter has taken both boxes and stuck them in the middle of his legs. And he, he's siphoning them one at a time as he is gorging his face with chicken nuggets. And I looked at them like, I, I don't know if you ever had this conversation with kids, but you're just like, you were like, what is wrong with you? What, where have I failed you? Like, what? You need Jesus. Like, what is wrong with you? You know what he said to me? He said, I don't want Lincoln to hold him because Lincoln's been picking his nose. I've been watching him. I don't want his boogies all over my chicken. I said, you think that's a better option than you taking the chicken and putting it by your butt? I mean, I'm like, share the chicken. I gave it to you so that you could share with other people, so you could split it up. We do this all the time with Jesus. We go, well, you saved me. You set me free. You filled me up. You're a good God. And we go, okay, I'm done. Can I remind you why Jesus saved you? We just go, let's go to the Bible. That's, that's a good place to go. Matthew 5, it says, it says, you and me, if Jesus saved you, are the salt of the earth. The salt loses its saltiness. How can it be made salty again? And it's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. Then he says this, the light of the world, a town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bolt. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. What's the purpose of you? To give light to other people. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. In, in, in other words, you're filled to find people. You're, you're, you're gifted to give it away. You're set free to be sent out. E- even this. You form communities. We have community in church, which tends to be the star of what we do. What, what do you have for me? Even in that, we form community to reach communities. 
Even in what you get, when you get together with the other holy rollers and you bring people in and you love each other, which is a natural thing because we're on mission together, even in that we have outside eyes because we are people, not preference. Is it going to be less comfortable to invite somebody into my house, into my inner circle that doesn't know all the inside jokes and all the DC talk songs that you grew up listening to? Absolutely. But here's the thing. You've been found to go find. You are the church and you exist for the world. And here's the thing about it. It's one of the greatest hours of your life to get an opportunity to play a role in it. I mean, think, think about it. One of the greatest privileges in you and me's life is when Jesus will, will come to us and tap us on the shoulder and say, hey, 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 Brian. Hey, Fred. Hey, hey, Melinda. Hey, George. Hey, Martha. Hey, whoever you are. I have a critical role for you as I'm building my church in this world. I've been preparing you your whole life for this. How do you say no in that moment? What do you even say? I've got my own thing going on, Jesus, sorry. I'm building my retirement plan. I'm working on my golf game. I'm loading up on my ugly Hawaiian shirts. Don't be that guy. Don't be that girl. You're going to regret that forever. You'll miss the opportunity that Jesus has called you and made you for to be used for something much bigger than yourself, the saved seeking. But when I talk about that, there's some other people that would call themselves saved, and I would use that term loosely, uh, that maybe you're here, but I don't think you should feel real comfortable here. And if you're not ready to move from these types of people to the safe seeking, then my hope is that our mission would, would bring pressure and force you out. But here's just a few people that I could think of that I've, I've grown up in church that I've seen come to churches and kind of just swallow up the mission. The first group is what I would call the safe seated. It's the people who think that it's their job just to come and sit at church. Like that, that's, that is what gives glory to God. You just kind of come hang out and you just kind of sit and you watch and you, and you, you, you critique and then you, you go home and you talk about what you didn't like and what you did like and maybe you skip around from church to church and church and, and, and do that and you really legitimately think like that's why God made me. And, and I, I would encourage you, if that's why you think God made you, you're slapping God in the face. And some of you are saying, man, that's really mean to, to be that kind of offensive and in, in your face. And I get it because this is how we parent now. Like, instead of just saying to our kids, no, you're doing that. Like, let me give you one of the worst things I hear in church nowadays. Hey, where's your teenager? They're sleeping. They, I don't want to force God down their throats. I don't want to, like, pressure them. And so I'm just going to let them sleep. And I think to myself, do you do the same thing on Monday for school? How about when they don't want to eat vegetables? Do you do that with your toddler? I don't want to pressure them to, like, greens. No, you make them eat those things. Why do you make them eat those things? Because you don't care if they like them or not. They're good for them. And why the one thing that actually can change your life on an eternal landscape are you going, I'm going to make this optional for you. Listen, over my dead body is that going to happen in my household. I don't even care if you hate me. We're going to church every Sunday from this time forward. If you want to walk away from Jesus when you get older, it's not going to be my lukewarmness and apathetic that leads you there. I'm bringing you with me to Jesus. As much as I possibly can, I'm showing you aggression. I'm showing my kids commitment. I'm showing my kids people, not preference. I'm showing them, you know, being a, a blessing, not a burden. And I am amazed. But here, here's the thing. The same thing's happening in churches. Instead of a pastor just st standing up and saying, we are not going where we're supposed to go. 
There's too many people here who are not taking this seriously. There's too many people who are trying to get baptized at my church that are living together outside of marriage, and that's not okay. There's too many people that are coming to this church week in and week out and claiming to follow Jesus Christ, yet still getting drunk during the week. There's too many people who aren't giving and aren't serving and aren't stepping out in the things that God has called them to step out in. And I would say it's unloving for me not to call you out. I would say it's unloving for me to sit back and shake your hand every week and say, have a great week. Knowing full well you're not going to have a great week because you will never have a great week until your life is fully surrendered to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And so I can wish all I want and I can pray with you, but I can also just point you in the right direction and say, hey, man, you need to go all in. You need to give everything you have to God because there is no trophies, participation trophies in the kingdom of God for sitting in a seat someday. He's going to go, hey, great job sitting there. It's actually a slap in his face because he has something great for you to do. Number two is this, is I would call you the saved sulking. You know what I'm talking about? Can I, can I explain to you? I am not against people from other churches coming to this church. It happens. We lose people to other churches. It's, it's part, of, part of life. It's part of doing church. But one of the things I'm waiting for is I'm waiting for the church people that come through our doors and they go, hey, I've been going to this church for the last 10 years. There was a change of, of leadership there. I've been asking to serve. I wanted to clean more toilets. I wanted to sacrifice more. I was trying to up my tithe. I was trying to pay off the building. I was doing all these things I want to do. They wouldn't let me. And so I need to find a different church because I just want to give so much. Well, what do people do when they come to this church? Pastor. My old pastor was so mean. I'm thinking, you ain't met me yet then. You don't know. Don't try to hug me. So me, Pastor, they, they, were so, they weren't appreciative. They, didn't use, they used me over there. I'm burned out, by the way. That's an American Christian thing. There is no burned out book in the Bible. Paul never got bit by a snake and shipwrecked and came out on the, on the ocean and wrote, you know, lazy chapter 3 or relaxing chapter 3 or whatever, family vacation chapter 3 and said, hey, this was the season between when I got bit and when I got shipwrecked and I needed a season just to recuperate and do me. He never took the foot off the pedal one time in his life. And I can promise you when he got to heaven, he heard, well done, good and faithful servant. And too many times people come in from other churches and they just want to sulk. And they want to, man, they were just so mean to me and they used me. And here's the thing I want to tell people like that. If you felt used, you were probably being useful. If you weren't getting the glory and people were overlooking you, man, be thankful for that. Because that is the breeding ground for godly promotion in your life. If you're coming here expecting us to pat you on the back and thank you, you're not a volunteer when Jesus saves you, by the way. A volunteer is optional. You're the church. This is your life. This is what you do. This is what you breathe. This is what you eat. This is what you think about. I want to reach more people for God's kingdom in the short amount of time that I have on this earth. And so what I found is too many people come in and they just want to sulk their, 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 their way through. And oftentimes when they come here unhappy, guess what else they do? They leave unhappy. They consistently think it's the church's problem. And here's the problem. It's not the church's problem. If you meet one jerk, you met a jerk. If you continue to meet jerks, you are the jerk. That's the way it is. Save sulking. Here's two more. Two more uh, real quick. Is the save sucking? I like this one. I like to say that word in church. The save sucking. I've seen this happen way too many times in church. Church gets full of suckers. And not like like... The bad were like, like literally like, like, like parasite suckers. They come in and they begin to suck the life out of the church. They, they have this, our own, their own agendas, their own ideas, their own desires. They say, we got to do all these things. This is what church 
does and and that's fine that's what church does but what is church doing if you are doing all those things that you have all those ministries but you are not reaching anyone else i would call them a waste of time so what happens is churches if they're they're not careful they begin to get filled with 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 what i would call suckers or parasites people that just want to take from what the church has and maybe you don't know what a, a parasite is but parasites usually say stuff or suckers usually say stuff like this they say stuff like the church just isn't meeting my needs And I would argue with that, and I would say, man, if Jesus Christ changed your life, that he has already given you more than you have ever, 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 ever in your life deserved. Salvation is not the beginning thing, and then you leave behind, and you see what else you can get. Salvation is everything. It's where your worship comes from. It's where your understanding of mission comes from. It's where your desire to be a light comes from, from salvation, when God takes you from dead to, to alive. But, but oftentimes, suckers will say, this church is not meeting my needs. They'll say, if, if, here's another thing. If you never offer your time, money, or resources at any church, you're a sucker. If you complain more than you praise, you're, you're a sucker. If you think your personal problems are the church's fault, man, you're a sucker. Like don't, don't be a saved sucker. Then the last one is this, and this one's really important for us as a church as we celebrate 10 years. And Laura, you can come up and, and, and play me off. It's what I would call the saved, the saved sleeping. So let me just paint this picture for you. The longer that you're a church, the easier it is for you to get into this mindset. Like we've all seen in our own life. How excited were you to marry your spouse that you married 20 years ago? Oh my gosh. And then years pass, and if you're not careful, are you that excited to wake up beside them? Just look at them. Ugh. <laughs> Why? Well, what happened? You changed. Not them. They changed. No, no, no. You both, listen, you both are changing. The truth is you probably changed for the better. Probably really understand what love is about and commitment is about, and those things are probably go hand in hand. And you're probably, you have a better relationship than you maybe had before, or maybe, maybe you're more mature together. I'm not sure what's happened, but you look at them and you go, man, you've changed. No, no, no. Most of the time, it's, it's, it's you and me looking at them that has, we've changed. We've changed how we look. We've changed our desires. We've changed our understanding. We've changed our expectations. We've changed all that. Same thing happens at church. You remember when you first got saved, how excited you were? How passionate you were? How hungry you were? And then life kind of gets in the way, and that's our own fault. Some, some people can say, well, that's just life. No, that's not. Because once again, I don't see that in the Bible. I don't see like, like Paul or Peter. Like, they finished strong. They just did. Most of them finished without, with their life being taken from them. But when their life was taken from them, they were in jail or they were being flogged, whatever was happening. They were still on fire for God. It was still going strong. And so I don't know that that's the way it has to be. I think that's just the way we make it. So what happens at churches is years pass and all of a sudden a bunch of people in the church, they become the safe sleeping. No longer it's a big deal. No longer does it matter. Why do we clap every week when people get saved? Why are we clapping after worship? Why does he say the same thing? Why do we have gifts for guests? Why do we park people? Why can't I park there? It's two degrees outside. Why do I got to serve? Why do I got to pick up church? Like, why do I got to do these things? And you become what I would call the safe, the safe sleeper. You know what's scary about, about this? Is studies suggest that really the only effective churches in America right now are new churches. That, that old churches are, are dying all over the place. And, and actually what was interesting is a church that's less than three years old 
and this is what's scary for me, that on the average, every hundred people that come to the church, that that church reaches 10 new people for Jesus. That's pretty incredible. So every year, you have 100 people in your church. You're young. You're vibrant. You're excited. You're on mission together. You're welcoming people in. You're sharing the gospel week in and week out. You're not tired of hearing about the goodness and the grace of Jesus Christ. You love the songs that you're singing. You're ready to serve. All these things are happening, and people are getting saved. Then from years 3 to, to 15, most churches, they, they shift, and for every 100 people, they reach, they reach 5 people. So church gets cleaned up, gets mature, gets resources, gets money. Stops taking chances, puts the money in the bank, you know, looks at their money more than they look at how many people they reach. And they, they reach, and then, and then after year 15, the average church, for every 100 people, they reach less than three people. So you have a bigger church, you have more resources, you have more money, you have more buildings. And the people are safe sleepers. And I, I want to encourage you to, to, to wake up, if that's you. Like, if you're not excited about coming to church, you're not excited about serving, you're not excited about giving, you're not excited about worshiping, you might be at the, at the brink of falling asleep in, in, in your faith, and nothing, Satan wants nothing more than for us to be there. We're just kind of going through the motions, but I refuse to be there. I refuse to, to pastor the walking dead church. And they just walk through the doors, and listen, these, both of these services today surprisingly are filled up, I mean, decently full, and, and, and people are here, and kids, they're, they're there, and people are giving, and uh, hey, hey, clap, uh, and go, right? No. You know what? Me and you? We're called to something much greater than that. We're, we're what I would call East Coast strong. This ain't cold. This is called home. God has a great purpose and a plan for this church. And I refuse to get to the point where we have stuff, but we don't have a Savior anymore. The safe seekers. The, the only people who should feel comfortable here is people that wake up day in and day out and say, I'm on mission to serve God, to seek the lost. And some of you are saying, well, what else? Who else can feel comfortable at your church? Let me give it to you. The saved seekers, and number two as we close, is what I will call the unsaved searching. Here's what happens. The reason the unsaved searching do not feel comfortable in your church is because your pastor and your staff and your church and your culture, they make it appropriate for everybody else that I just talked about to be comfortable. The saved sleeping come in. They just sit down. The saved sulking, they're so sulky and baby and immature that their eyes are not even opened up to anybody but themselves because they are so concerned with all the bad and all the awfulness that has been done to them at previous churches is in past lives. And I want to encourage you to wake up because you are just being blinded by Satan. The saved sulking, the saved sleeping. The safe sucking come in and say, what about me? What about me? What about me? And you fill this building up with, with people that are kind of there but far from God. And then you know who doesn't feel comfortable there? The unsafe searching. You know, I've been to people's houses. Uh, I've been to different people's houses for, for dinner over my life. Same thing, same purpose. We're going to go eat, hang out. There's been times I've been invited to somebody's house and I show up uh, and it feels like they don't really want me there. I don't, I'm like, why did you invite me? I don't want to be here anyways. And you walk in and there's not really any food. There's no music. Nothing's ready. They're like, hey, dinner will be ready in two hours. 
pizza pockets. I've got a heat tub I can wave up. You have a jacket on, they don't take it. They just throw it right there. You don't really take your shoes off because the floor is not clean. You go into the bathroom, you're like, whoa. When they talk to you, it's like small talk, and they're looking at their watch the whole time. When there is, the food is served, it's not really enough. And so you're telling your kids, shut up. Don't talk about it. there's not enough food. You don't want to be rude, and you leave, and you're like, why did we go there? Why did they have us there? What does it matter? And it's, it's almost like, like they got in the way of their mission. They wanted to be kind. They wanted to invite you in. They wanted to give you a, a good meal. But it's almost as if their attitude, their demeanor, their decisions got in the way. And then you go to some people's house, and you feel like a king. Like you walk in before you even get to the front door. Hey! Come on in! They got crafts for your kids. They know all of your kids' names. That's Carter. You're so cute. And that's Aaron Lincoln. And Harrison, I've heard a lot about you. Don't touch anything. You come in, the plates are already set. Meal. Sit down. Take your shoes off. Take your shoes off. House is clean. Music's on. Smells good. They got more food than you can imagine. It's a six-course meal. Soon as food's done, they're bringing out coffee because that's what you have when you want to welcome somebody. And so coffee's there. They bring the dessert out. And then they talk to you and they ask you questions. And you just, by the time you leave, you feel like family. You're like, I'll go back there. I, I, I'll hang out there. Like, I, I'll, Can you be my mom and dad? You want to be my brother or my sister? Whatever. Can you just adopt me? And I think to myself, same, same message, same desire, different outcome. See, what happens when a bunch of saved-seeking people are involved in your church is the second outcome is what happens at your church. You have people showing up early to set up cones. You have people showing up early to mop floors. You have people showing up early to make sure air fresheners are changed out. You have people showing up early to make coffee. You have people showing up on time to get ready in their serve positions. You have people that are walking people in and they're talking and talking to them and asking them questions and people parking cars in negative two degree weather. And you have people excited to be here. You have a band that's been performing, not performing, I mean practicing, sorry, that's been practicing since Wednesday, putting in time, learning new songs. They got here early in the morning. They've been praying they're excited you have sound you have lights you have people running cameras you have all these things going on because the effort that we need to put in and the message we want to give is long before you get here we wanted you here and we've been preparing that's what a safe secret church looks like you know what an unsafe secret church is like you walk in you feel uncomfortable where am i supposed to go everybody's there you got the safe sulking in the corner they're crying <laughs> no what a tiny attention to man Meanwhile, the unsafe single mom or the unsafe addict or whoever else walking by. <laughs> and God's telling you, open your eyes. Stop sulking, you baby. Grow up. Stop making your problems someone else's problems and take responsibility. Yes, it was bad and yes, it was wrong. No, you don't have to receive it and accept it. Open up your eyes because somebody's walking by that needs your light. You got the safe sleeping in the corner. They walk back with their Wawa coffee, which, by the way, you leave every week and we have to pick up. I know we're struggling as a church when my church leaves a bunch of trash there at the end of the day. And I know it's not just new people. I know it's church people that go, well, who cares? I'm sure you can find that Bible verse in the Bible where Jesus left his thing and said, hey, Peter will pick it up. And you got safe sleeping in the back during the singing. Is he almost done? He got that clock in the back. He's going 10 minutes over already. You got to save sleeping. You got to save sulking. You got to save seating. They're just worried about getting out of here. I just got to get out of here. But all of a sudden, you get filled with the church that gets it. 
They got people that are welcome and new people. That, and the people that need to feel welcome, they come in here. And from the moment that they arrive, something happens. It's almost like you're treating them like Luke chapter 15 where the, where the father has saved the best calf and the robe and the ring for the son that basically told him, I wish you were dead. And then he comes home. And it's almost as if the father said, I know my love is better than this. So I'm just going to wait for him to come home. And when he comes home, I'm going to have the biggest party and I'm going to save all the best things for him, which by the way, is the type of church that we are. We save the best resources for people that are not yet here. We put the most money. We invest the most time. We think about the most people that are not yet here. Why? Because Jesus, why? Is to seek and save the lost. Who should feel comfortable? Safe seeking, unsafe searching. And when those two things align, you have a beautiful move of God that you get to experience.